Hey everyone, this is Mike Iannelli, co-founder and chief strategy officer at Abler. Here's a podcast episode John Samuel and I recorded just before launching Abler. And I'm so excited to share it with you because there's a lot here about John's story of overcoming adversity, our reasons for forming Abler, and how everyone, corporations and individuals alike, can help with our mission to level the playing field for folks with disabilities. Abler's mission is simple, accessibility and inclusion for everyone, no exception. Welcome everyone, I am your host, Mike Ionelli. I am a executive over at Walk West, supporting analytics, supporting inclusivity and marketing, and really driving sort of what media looks like for our advertising and, and marketing consultancy. I've got my special guest on the phone, John Samuel. Uh, John Samuel is, you know, it's hard to describe John Samuel. He's like everything. He's He's like a Swiss army knife. But John is the head of LCI Tech, uh, and LCI's tech's vision today is to bring inclusivity to individuals with disabilities across the U.S. and and I'm sure future globally. John has an amazing background, being able-sighted, and then in his 20s lost his vision. And at that moment, John decided his his mission was to make sure that anyone with a disability could engage in content and, and frankly, just be included in in the world that we live in today, especially from a digital engagement perspective. So, John, it's absolute, and this is sincere, an honor to have you on this channel. Um, I don't know if you want to do a quick intro, and then we can get into the heart of our discussion, which really titled interestingly is Eliminating Our Jobs. The the purpose of, of that title is, frankly, if we do our jobs right, and we bring inclusivity and digital accessibility to the masses, there'll be no need for our, our job. So John and I agreed that we would start a fishing venture in the Florida Keys. John, welcome. Thank you so much, Mike. I appreciate it. So things, John, we want to talk about, knowing that you're an author and you're on LinkedIn and you're doing guest events and you're traveling the world telling everyone about your vision and mission, one of the things we often talk about is really what is ADA compliance, right? And, and, and as I find out as I'm digging more, the masses don't really understand it. They don't understand what ADA is. They don't understand what WCAG is. Yeah, so I think that you're right. I think the wider population doesn't think about the disability community on a daily basis. And a lot of the reason is that they don't know anybody, they don't see anybody, or at least they don't know, they don't think so, right? Because there's so many people with an invisible disability that would benefit from the digital accessibility space, but they just don't realize it. They don't understand it. And it's not that people are bad. It's just a lack of understanding and a lack of exposure. And so one of the things that we have to do as part of the disability community and the broader digital accessibility space is to help raise awareness. And that's what we're doing at LCI Tech. Our focus has been on really raising the awareness to educate people first about what is digital accessibility, remove those myths about and around what is needed in in the ADA and what WCAG is. And that's that's been a heavy lift. Although there's been a lot of people in this space for some time, I think that a lot of us are still really focusing on getting people the mass to understand why it's important to think about digital accessibility, whether you're in education, 
a business owner or just a blogger who wants to to share your story. Good. One of the things I wanted to just jump on with a with a point to that is that 20% of the population is being excluded to some degree in digital content. Is that, I mean, am I stating an obvious uh, fact here? Yeah. So 20% of the population has a disability. That's globally when we think about that. Yeah. So I think about when we think about the total population in the world, that's a billion people. That's a lot of people with a disability. And that's a lot of people, John, that in today's environment, potentially can't view digital content, can't buy online on Amazon, potentially, or another e-commerce store. They can't read a website content. They can't, you know, buy movie tickets or anything. So you're talking one out of five people in today's world are being completely excluded uh, and can't engage in the same content that everyone's engaging in. And, and that to me is, is mind blowing. I mean, what, and, and being in your situation, John, which I think is so remarkable for you is that you've been on both sides of the coin, right? And so what better person or to be an ambassador than someone who's, who's lived both sides. Can you talk a little bit about the both sides of the coin? And, and I think that's, I think that's a fascinating story. Yeah. So when I was growing up, I was sighted, didn't have any issues that I knew of, but gradually I did start to see some challenges in my, in my sight. And I didn't know how to explain what was going on. So I kind of kept it to myself. But as things were, were getting worse and I was walking into more and more things, I knew I had to start talking about it. And I got diagnosed that I had a degenerating eye condition called retinitis pigmentosa. And I saw my sight deteriorate even faster over the next uh, 20 years or so. But I often say that technology was improving at the same speed as my sight was deteriorating. And so I didn't see as much of a challenge. But when I started looking online for jobs and trying to do my work, that's when I started to face a lot of the challenges because systems were just not written in a way or coded or designed in a way that would work with the accommodations that I was using. So when I started to lose my sight, I started using an inverted color screen. So I was using white text on a black background. And that helped, that was the, made it much easier for me to see what was on my computer screen. And then I was using a magnifier that would blow up things for me. So these two things really helped me get to a certain point. But eventually my sight was so bad that that didn't even help. And I had to start to move over to a screen reader. And that opened up a whole new world for me because I was now able to stop using my weakest asset and start using my ears to help me uh, navigate the web. And I started to become more efficient and effective in my work. And I was able to continue my career trajectory. Talk a little bit about to the audience. I mean, you, you mentioned a couple of things I think are fascinating. So screen reader is one. And then you talk about usability from using white text on a black screen, which is usually the opposite. That's usually a no-no in usability, right? For basic web accessibility and usability. Talk a little bit about some of these tools because when I started working with you a few months back, I didn't even understand. I look at things totally different today. When I go on my phone, I go into my PlayStation, I go into my TV, whatever it might be, there's an accessibility option. And a lot of these major organizations and OEMs have accessibility options. But as a whole, I don't believe it's, to your point from the very beginning, is 
the awareness factor is not there. Unless you are dealing with a disability, you don't know it exists. But I think it, it's a very one, one-sided sort of approach. So talk to me about some of the tools you use. We, you mentioned JAWS before as one of the platforms. You've talked about screen readers. You talk about specific technologies and platforms that you use. And the one thing that's fascinating to me is if you ever, if anyone out there has an opportunity to listen to the screen reader, it's fascinating to listen into how that works and how fast your ears work. It's, it's absolutely mind-blowing. So talk a little bit about the, the screen reader and some of the tech that you use. Yeah. So now I use, on my computer, I use a software called JAWS, which is a screen reader, which essentially reads out what's on a screen. And so I no longer use a mouse or the trackpad on my laptop, but rather use the keyboard to navigate my computer screen, to navigate the web, and what's being read out to me is now I listen to it at a much higher speed because I often say that's the speed of business because as fast as you as a sighted person can see what's on your computer screen, I have to hear it. So I'm quickly navigating using my keyboard, using shortcut keys to be able to uh, gather as much information as possible and navigate just as fast as you could. In a lot of ways, it's like learning a new language, right? Yeah, it really is. And so when I started to use a screen reader, I knew that it was going to be important for me to listen to it faster and faster. So I trained myself by listening to audiobooks on Audible and increasing the speed so that I was able to start understanding and taking in uh, content at a much higher rate. And so it took me some time to train myself to be able to do that. And then also learning how to use the keyboard strokes because I was so reliant on using left button and the right button on your mouse to be able to right click and a left click to be able to do whatever you want or click and point or point and click. And that's, that was really how you grow up using a computer. But it, it, it took a, a bit of training to teach yourself how to use a keyboard and to rely on, on listening. So you've learned this over the years and you've seen, you know, you've seen a lot of changes in the industry because, you know, was it 1990 was Americans with Disability Act was passed? That was before the internet, you know, was booming, right? And then you've seen in 2008, it was updated, uh, and you would think, frankly, that things would have changed a whole lot more to support the digital error, but in, but in reality, that's 12 years ago, and we're still, I believe, in our infancy of accessibility. So talk a little bit about you know, what you think ADA has done and what you're hoping it will continue to do, and you know, you've got WCAG, also the standards and guidelines, and talk about how those two work together and what they mean to you. The ADA has been monumental for the disability community. But as you mentioned, it was written three years before the internet was publicly available. And so it, it is missing a major component of what our daily life entails, and that's digital content. And so to me, the ADA has served a purpose. It, it's been beneficial for so many people out there. But I think that we, Still have a lot more to go. And because of the gray area of the ADA when it was written and when the internet came out, that's caused a lot of openings for misinterpretation of it. What is public accommodation? You know, who actually needs to make their websites accessible or their digital content accessible? But I think if we look beyond the ADA and we think about what's best for all people, then we will have a, a better interpretation of what is meant by the ADA. 
to make it a much better environment for all people. So what's the, uh, I, you know, I've been on some trainings, I've heard WITSAG, and I say, I always say WCAG, and obviously there's different versions. There's 2.0, and then 2.1 uh, encompasses mobile, which, Lord, I mean, the mobile usage is, is, is beyond conceivable how much time spent on the devices these days. But, you know, from your perspective, like, talk a little bit about social media. You know, when you're on we'll say WCAG, how does that, how does that help you when you're on Facebook? Are you using screen readers for that? How do you comment? Like what is your experience today on some of these larger social platforms? Yeah. Social media has in a large part started to incorporate some accessibility functionality, but even if the platform has accessibility, if somebody who's a content creator doesn't, add alt text, which adds an alternative text to describe what an image is or utilizes the accessibility functionalities of the platform, then the experience isn't going to be accessible for a user like myself. So video, for instance, if a video is is placed up there without any, without a transcript or closed captioning, somebody who's deaf is going to be able to see it, but they're not going to be able to hear or understand what is that person talking about. So a person who's deaf is going to miss out on that experience. And same thing with the picture being described, adding alt text so that my screen reader can describe to me what the picture is. If we don't utilize these tools and functionality that's available on these platforms on social media, then it's not really a a great experience for somebody with a disability. And for instance, I just got onto Instagram uh, a couple of months ago. And the key reason was, that I saw that 70% of all people under the age of 29 were on Instagram. And so I started thinking about young people with disabilities and if they were missing out on it, on this amazing platform, then I want to be able to be somebody who's creating accessible content for them to be able to enjoy the platform as well. So you would think, you know, when you, when you look across the board at these major companies like Apple and Facebook and Amazon, and Google, you know, the four big dogs. How do you feel those guys are doing when it comes to accessibility? Yeah, I think that, you know, I was just listening to um, a little bit of the history of voiceover on and accessibility on the iPhone. And the iPhone came out in 2007 and it was seen as great and new invention, the greatest thing to telecommunications. But at that time when it was just a, piece of glass with plastic with no buttons it left out a huge part of the disability community from being able to uh, use that tool but a couple years later they added in accessibility functionality and it opened up the iphone to the disability community and now i say the iphone is probably one of the best tools out there it's it's beautifully designed it has accessibility built into it and so when you think about apple they did a great job but then you look at Microsoft, who initially didn't have a great accessibility functionality built into the operating system, but now they're making great strides. So you can see the organizations who think about accessibility and build it in in the design phase and how great that turns out, that experience for everybody. A lot of the large, the large tech players out there, they're getting it and they're trying to do something about it. That's what gives you hope that you know, if these four big players can do it, it'll kind of trickle down and eventually people will see the benefits of it because those players can see it and they're investing in it heavily. 
Yeah, it's like that top-down approach, right? It's, uh, yeah. And I do agree that Apple's done a, a pretty fascinating job with doing it. And funny, I, I think I left Microsoft off that list, which is crazy. Yeah. Uh, but I appreciate you adding them back in. So, John, when, when we talk about our organizations coming together, you know, there's accessibility, right? So there's servicing and making sure that websites are accessible. So you talked about, you know, the, the visual side of it. There's a functionality side in terms of how things are coded, uh, how the navigation functions. There's obviously alt tagging and, and, and all those wonderful things. When we talk about, you know, why? So why is it important? And, and when we first met, we, it didn't take us a whole lot of time to come up with the realities. So one, there's, a, there's a, a law that supports this. And it's sort of a gray area, but we, we saw recently that Beyonce was under a lawsuit. Domino's Pizza was sued as well. And there's a lot of these lawsuits, and I won't say frivolous, but some of them are frivolous, but some of them and many of them are not. And so can you talk a little bit about, and I know it's a gray area, but where does the law come in? Where's the gray area? I mean, why, why isn't it more practical for individuals to take this serious? Yeah, so I think when you when you think about that gray area, a lot of it is surrounding what is considered public accommodation. So somebody going onto your website and utilizing it to gather information to go shopping or to, to actually complete a task, is that considered a public accommodation? And so that's where the gray area really comes in because people are going to say, oh, that's not necessarily, you know, you can go into my store people who have disabilities, it's much easier for us to go online and shop because transportation is a barrier for us. So if you remove the access to your website and say, oh, you have other alternatives, you're really causing a major barrier for us. You're adding a new barrier for us. And I think that's where the gray area has come around. But you know, one of the challenges I feel about the lawsuits is that a lot of them have to be complaint driven. So you have a lot of these drive-by lawsuits that come up and they're complaining about the website and accessibility. But I really do believe if companies really think about the business case for accessibility, why it's important, because you're missing out on potential clients, and it's just the right thing to do, we can bypass just the legal component of it and really focus on the positive aspects of it, of giving people a great customer experience. I think that's what every business wants to be able to do is give their customers a great customer experience. And you never know, you never know of a parent who may have a blind a blind or a, a child or a, a child with a disability. And, you know, the, the disability community is much broader than just actual people with disabilities, but it's the caregivers, it's the family members, it's the friends. And you'll see that, you know, our community reaches much further than just the one out of five. But when you think about that broader community, it'll tap yeah. into a lot more people. You're right. I never, you know, John, I never really thought about that. You're right. Cause you know, your family and your children and coworkers, I mean, you got to figure even if you double that number, right? If it's 40%, yeah. right? I mean, that's a massive, and, and, and you talked about it earlier, you know, we talk about the legal piece, but, you know, when you think about it from a business perspective, you're right. I mean, if you're losing one out of five, it's hard enough with the competition today and everything at your fingertips through the mobile devices to close some sort of conversion, whether that's signing up for school or buying a widget. And we're, a lot of these brands are making it even harder on themselves because they're, they've got blocked content that can't be, can't be viewed. And so they're losing 
you know, one out of five customers potentially by not being accessible. And then the other piece, and I completely agree with you, and I've always felt this, is just do the right thing. I mean, we're not, we're not talking about millions of dollars in investment. We're, we're, what we're saying is, and to your point, what we've, we've done now here at Walk West is it's a best practice. Every website or landing page or video that we produce, any piece of content that we produce is accessible. And obviously, yeah. we use you, 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 John, and your team to make sure that it, yeah. it is. But just like search engine optimization, it's a best practice. Just like image selection, just like usability and consumer flow. All those, just like data collection, it's all best practice. And now ADA, and thanks to you, a big part of it, is a best practice at Walk West in everything we do. And so, you know, when you think about the future, and we talked a little bit about sort of utopia, what is to you, and I, and I know that, you know, digital accessibility and making sure web content is available and accessible is one. But there is a much broader spectrum and your vision. Talk a little bit about your vision about providing job opportunities for the disabled, providing training and content and recruitment. And we talked about consulting, not just on a web experience, but a physical and a workspace environment so that individuals with disabilities can fit, naturally feel inclusive, but also be productive do their work just like any anyone else can do. So talk a little bit about the vision of where you want to go and then let's wrap it a big picture, wrap it back in into what is your utopia? Yeah. So if I think of it in a broader sense, if you ask me, I don't want people with disabilities to miss out on life. And that's really about how can people do what they want. And I think that to make sure that you can do what you want, you need to be able to have a career that can help you support that type of lifestyle. And so our vision is to create employment in the knowledge economy for people with disabilities. And so it kind of goes back to this whole idea of thriving, not surviving. And so finding jobs that people can thrive in and not just work to survive. And think about the three pillars that we need to ensure are met to remove the barriers so that people can have careers in the knowledge economy. We think about eliminating the digital divide, and that's eliminating the accessibility challenges. That's creating pathways for employment. So providing people with disabilities the training and job skills that they need to go into these type of careers. And then it's changing the mindsets and removing the stigmas. And that's working with with companies and hiring managers to support them in ensuring that their processes and procedures are set up to employ people with disabilities. So these are kind of the three main pillars that I think we need to address. So kind of you rethinking about this, it's eliminating the digital divide, creating pathways for employment, and changing the mindset of people and companies. Well, I mean, and those are three amazing pillars. So I got I to gotta ask you the pointed question of how do we do that as a society? Now, we know that our partnership and our teams together are building infrastructure and content and information to support and help. We've got technology, AI technology. We've got individuals with impairments, visual impairments that are actually auditing sites real time for user case testing. 
we have all those things and we are making waves and it's, an, it's a really special time. But when you think about what can you ask, I guess for individuals listening to this, what would you ask them to do? And, and knowing that they're not in the game, they're not in the space, they're in their own world with their own issues, trying to figure out their own lives. What would you ask them to do if they were listening to you right now? So I would say for companies and hiring managers, I'd first ask, is your company website accessible? So if you don't know, then I think it's important that you reach out to Walk West and, and this, our partnership, because that's the first thing. Understand the moment that you understand is our website or our digital content accessible for everybody. The other people I'd ask people that I think about is, do we have anybody with a disability on our team? And again, a lot of people are not going to disclose it, but the other piece is, is our culture and environment inducive for somebody to just feel open about disclosing it? These are kind of, you have to think about your culture and the way that your organization is. If you did have a disability, would you feel open and free to disclose that? Because I think that only when people can be their true self and their authentic self, will their best work come out. And so not only will you get somebody who's much happier in your workforce, you'll find somebody who will probably be more loyal to your, to your company and business, but you're also going to get a lot better outcome or an output from that individual as well. So those are a couple of things I think somebody listening to this is ask, is our website accessible and is our culture and company inclusive of people with disabilities? And, and John, that's a great answer. And one of the things that we often talk about is beyond the checkbox and what we're doing with the diversity movement at Walk West. And the team has done an amazing job creating content and creating service offerings to help people with diversity and inclusion. And then diversity means a lot of different things. But when you think about D&I and, and where does ADA and disabilities roll up into the inclusive model? I mean, when we simplify it, all the world is really trying to say is treat everyone the same. You know, everyone deserves the same opportunities to engage in content, to be treated fairly, to have a resume review, to do a job interview, to be given an opportunity, no matter what your background is, your race, your religion, your, if you're disabled, whatever it might be, that everybody just wants to feel included. And it, it's funny because the world is, is harsh, right? I mean, the world is a harsh place and, and you all have children as well. And it's almost like from the day your children are born or a human is born, they just want acceptance and inclusiveness. Yeah. When you ask me, what does diversity and inclusion mean to me? It means about people want to belong. It comes back to just that one simple thing. I want to belong. It's human nature to want to belong. And I think that a company and organization needs to make sure that people, no matter what backgrounds or experiences, is that they can feel like they belong there. I truly believe if you make someone feel like they belong, you're going to get more output, you're going to have a better result, and people are going to feel much happier. And I think that's the end of the day. Isn't that what we all want is to be happy? Well, yeah, and we all want to be able to shop on Amazon and get our stuff tomorrow, right? That's true, man. That's true. And I think that you know? again, that's, that's what it is, right? Again, if I can be happy by having a job that pays me enough to be able to go and buy what I want, right? That's going to make me happy. 
Yeah, but th- that, that's another podcast for another day, right? Because, because, yeah, I mean, I could go buy stuff. It doesn't necessarily – money doesn't make you happy, but uh, but I think belonging and feeling inclusive and feeling like you're just like everybody else does. And yeah. when exclusivity comes into play, no matter what it is, whether it's a fancy restaurant, whether it's an exclusive vacation or a wine bar or web content, the world just wants to be inclusive. And the, the days of exclusivity, I, I don't know. I, I feel like they're, they're getting smaller. I think the world is finally becoming a, the place that it was always meant to be, right? I mean, we're eliminating so many barriers across so many different categories of human race that we're not seeing color like we used to. We're not seeing disabilities like we're used to. We're not seeing religion like we're used to. I mean, the world today, especially in the United States, is becoming, uh, and again, it's probably easier for me to say this because I'm a white guy, right? But but I do see change. And, and again, I'm, I can't speak from the other side, but I do see change and I'm glad and I'm happy to be part of it with you, John. I'm hopeful that together we can bring not only diversity and inclusion to the forefront with Walk West and the diversity movement, but bring ADA and WCAG to everyone's front door. We can all be included in the content. We can all shop online. We can all buy tickets online. We can all travel through booking sites. But more importantly, we can make sure that our toilet paper is delivered by a drone three hours after we order it on Amazon. Thank you, Mike. I appreciate it, man. I, I really am hopeful. And we can't make this world of more accessible alone. And it's great to have partners and, and people like you, man, who, who get it and want it and uh, have the capacity to do it. And John, I, I, I appreciate it. I'm, I'm honored to know you and I'm, I'm blessed to work with you. And I'm hopeful with every bone in my body, I can help bring your vision to the forefront uh, of the world we live in today. And And on that note, John, thank you for for joining me. This is, again, Mike Ionelli at Walk West with John Samuel at LCI Tech. And this is a wrap on eliminating our jobs. You should be careful with that one. All right. Thanks, everyone, for listening. If you'd like to get behind our mission or if you're just curious to learn about what John and I are doing, visit abler360.com. That's A-B-L-R-360.com. I'm Mike Ionelli, and we'll see you again soon.